You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years, and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. For more information, visit emmyusa.com. Welcome to HRN Happy Hour. It's five o'clock somewhere, and somewhere is Bushwick. We're back from Charleston, back in the shipping containers. Happy to be here. It feels like home. And we have finally adjusted a daylight savings time. So it's re- literally about today that we feel normal and can talk to you into Do a we? microphone. <laughs> I'm Are getting we? there. I'm getting there. Um, Katie Mosman Wadler is on a very well deserved vacation right now. So joining me as my co host today is Hannah Forden, our program manager. Happy Thursday and cheers to Katie, who is drinking some blue drink on the blue beach. Drink. And <laughs> no one has ever deserved it more. So hopefully she is not working and, and just not relaxing. listening to this. Yes. You'll listen to it later. Yes. Um, we have Amanda Wang, our engineer in the booth. Hey, Amanda. Hello, hello. Thanks for making us sound great, as always. And we have a new uh, team member joining us today, Pauline Munch, our new, brand new intern, all the way from Berlin uh, by way of Toronto. Yes, that's right. Hello, hello. <laughs> our guests today are from Nashville, keeping the Southern theme rolling. I'm very excited about it. It's the season of the South which I love. Uh, we have Andy Little, Karen Little, and Ashley Danke from Restaurant Josephine, or just Josephine, we mm-hmm. should say, in Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome to all of you. Thank you. Hi, Hi. thank you. Hi. Uh, we're super excited to talk to you guys. You all are multi-talented, multi-hyphenate. We're going to get into all of the things that you all do, all the hats that you wear shortly. Uh, first, we have a couple of quick announcements. Yeah, we have um, a super fun event coming up next week if you are of the lady persuasion. Um, HRN's executive director, Emeritus Erin Fairbanks, as many of you know, runs a little uh, networking party series called Ladies' Night, and we're having a very special one next Tuesday, uh, March 19th, right here at Roberta's in the backyard, fingers crossed for beautiful weather. And you can join us to celebrate 10 years of Heritage Radio Network and all of the people, but most specifically ladies, who made that decade happen. Um, So you can find more information on our Facebook or on Eventbrite, and we hope to see you there. It's free, and you can enjoy happy hour drink specials and half-price pizza. Another thing we want to announce, um, if you know anything about Harry Rosenblum and Michael Harlan Turkel, who host shows on this network, you know that they love sumo wrestling (laughs) and the food that sumo wrestlers eat, which is called chankanabe. Say that right? Chankanabe. It's very delicious. It's a very like hearty sumo wrestler stew. They have an event series called Sumo Stew, and it's back next week locally. They do it all over the country, but they're back in Brooklyn. They're doing two events back to back, one at the Japan Society and one at Brooklyn Brewery. So go to sumostew.com for more info. And if you happen to be friends with either of them on Facebook or follow us, you will get a code for $20 off. So jump on that. Okay, 
Now we have a few headlines we're going to go through. So on this week's episode of Andrew Talks with Chefs, Andrew was also traveling this week to the sixth annual Philly Chef Conference to chat with chefs from around the world. And it's an in-depth three and a half hour episode, which includes an anthology of interviews, including with Mashama Bailey of the Gray and Savannah, who we adore and who recently appeared on the chef's table, um, Christina Nagoyan of Hi Hi in Minneapolis, and Matt Orlando of Amass in Copenhagen. Plus, you can catch John and Suki Jameson of the legendary Jameson Farm um, as they discuss their new memoir, Coyotes in the Pasture and Wolves at the Door. So be sure to check that out and set aside three and a half hours. <laughs> and hot tip, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, sorry, Andrew, but Andy Little himself just recorded an interview on Andrew Talks to Chefs. So you can That's look true. forward to that soon. <laughs> oh my God. I hope I don't gossip. get in trouble. Um, you heard it it's here first. It's not three and a half hours long. <laughs> Darn it. <laughs> that would be quite a marathon yeah. of an interview. Um, this week on the Farm Report, host Lisa Held interviewed Peter Stein from Pico Oysters and learned about his journey from leaving a corporate job to start an oyster farm on Long Island. He supplies top New York City restaurants with oysters, including Gramercy Tavern. Stein shares more about the methods and landscape of oyster farming in today's political and environmental climate. And you can join Beer Sessions Radio as host Jim and host Jimmy to find out why Rothhouse Pilsner. I hope I'm saying that right. Rothhouse. Um, Rothhouse. Rothhaus. Oh, we have a German, German. pronunciation. Okay, say it one more time. <laughs> say it in the mic. Rothhouse. There that you was go. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, which is an um, the unfiltered beer from Germany's Black Forest is becoming super popular in Brooklyn and has reached cult-like status. He was joined by Tobias Holler of Black Forest Brooklyn. Uh, Josh Van Horn of Gold Star Brewing, Kim Mercado of Brewery Lane, and booze writer Aaron Goldfarb. And lastly, we mentioned we just got back from Charleston. So check out all of our episodes of HRN on Tour from this year's Charleston Wine and Food. Uh, major highlight was celebrating International Women's Day on Friday, March 8th. We played three, count it, Three rounds of happy hour trivia because we ended every day with HR and happy hour. And we celebrated Harry Rosenblum's birthday on Saturday with a Wong Duckin, which if you don't know what that is, it's a ice cream cake shaped like a turkey. Google it. <laughs> and that's all I can say. Maybe one of the most delicious things I've ever put in my mouth. It was incredible. Cynthia Wong, if you haven't heard, is, is a, a genius. genius. Um, and, um, so other interview highlights were Phil Rosenthal, Tiffany Theason, Matthew Rafer, Javon Sage, Steven Satterfield, Eric Asimov, so many more. All the episodes are live now. Go to heritageradionetwork.org to listen to them. Uh, can't wait to do it again next year. Woo! We did it. <laughs> um, and our voices are now back, so that's great. All right. So those are our headlines and our announcements. Now I want to turn it over back over to Andy, Karen, and Ashley. Um, as I mentioned, you guys are all multi-talented, multi-hyphenate. Uh, Andy, you are the chef at Josephine. Karen, GM slash sommelier. Ashley, I got an email saying that you are the quote-unquote right-hand woman, but I'd love to know what your actual title is. Um, well, I would say I am the... AGM, so Assistant General Manager, the Events Coordinator, and the Marketing Manager, Branding Manager, if you will. So I've, I've kind of sprinkled all over, if you, if you will. Yeah. Um, to anybody, like, why, why is it so kind of crucial to a tight-knit restaurant to have 
people wearing multiple hats like this. I mean, you could certainly, you're, you guys are part of a group. You could certainly hire multiple people for, for multiple positions, but why does it, why does it work well to have someone kind of doing a little bit of everything? Uh, I think there's in any restaurant, there's a lot of crossover. And so when there's a lot of crossover and there are people who can do multiple things, they have the ability to kind of share that knowledge with the amount of people who are coming through the restaurant. And so I think, you know, one title that they didn't get is part-time psychologist. (laughs) um, So, but it also has to do with how much the multi-hyphenate people care about their job. And it's, you know, you don't get multiple hats without wanting multiple hats and, and the ability to be able to not only have all these different responsibilities, but to be very successful doing them all is pretty crazy. I'm the only non-multi-hyphenate. I just cook. Oh, I'm also pretty good too. at plumbing. I've got plumbing down. Well, uh, handyman. Yeah, and, and general putting screws in guy. I'm sure that you do a lot beyond just chefing. Yes. Chefing already encompasses a lot of things. Um, so tell us a little bit more about Josephine, the inspiration behind it. I'm particularly interested in the Pennsylvania Dutch inspiration. Mm. Tell me about yeah. all of that. Cool. We brought you guys some gifts, too. Whoa. <laughs> we love presents. So you knew how to uh, get in with us good. Um, so I, I grew up in central Pennsylvania and cooked primarily from D.C. to New York. And then this job came about in Nashville, so we have these cool little books for you guys to look oh, at. Thank you so much. So uh, These are beautiful. Yeah. They're really good for radio. They're very pretty. We'll tell you <laughs> all about them. So I like that the cover says, where Pennsylvania Dutch roots meet Southern hospitality. Mm-hmm. Why, that's it. Why that you know? tagline? Yeah. Um, the, the food that we do is, I kind of see everything from a Pennsylvania Dutch and French training and um, perspective. So that's kind of my upbringing. It's where we go with the food. But then what we do from the hospitality side is decidedly, um, you know, the hospitality that you think of when you think of the American South. And that's, Mm. you know, Karen and Ashley um, definitely capped in that. So it's a a really great uh, partnership of the the two things. For those who aren't super familiar with, like, Pennsylvania Dutch cuisine, give me a primer. Also, since we're on radio, I'm not wearing a big black hat and a beard. (laughs) And no zippers. What if I said you but were? No only. one would know. Yeah. Nobody would know. Well, they did arrive in a, in a buggy. In a buggy. Yeah, yeah. That, that's something they should know. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the buggies are thing. Mm. I think um, people pretty immediately think about Scrapple. Um, if they're not familiar with Scrapple, it's a pretty traditional breakfast side meat of the scraps that were traditionally left over from the uh, butchering process of hogs. Uh, shoe fly pie is another one that people think of. Pretzels are a big one. Um, but really, when you dig into it, the food of the Pennsylvania Dutch and the food of the American South have a lot of similarities. Uh, Agrarian-based, using um, the whole animal. And actually, not just using the whole animal, but really celebrating the whole animal mm-hmm. for what it is. Um, we, you know, The menu debuted with beef tongue and beef cheeks and scrapple and things that were not your traditional... Uh, beef tenderloin steak cuts Um, a lot of the leftover bits which um, for me my family was in the dairy business for three generations up until my dad Um, 
and so you know being around animals being around farm culture it's really important to not waste anything i mean if you're going to eat an animal which you know right there is is something if you're going to eat an animal you just eat the whole thing i mean if you're going to commit to eating it then let's commit to eating it and and the next step after that is let's commit to making it as delicious as possible. Don't right. just eat it just for the sake of eating it. But can it be, you know, can you eat beef tongue that is as satisfying as a steak? There are many days where I would rather go to a truck and get tongue tacos than have to dig into a porterhouse, you know, right. or whatever. So um, I think the, you know, that's the... From the Pennsylvania Dutch standpoint, it really does. I mean, if people are unfamiliar with it, if you think of pickling and preserving everything that's in season, if, you know, drying and canning, um, it, it's a, a type of cuisine that really fits kind of where I think we're all thinking about food right now. It's just what seems to be in like mainstream right now. And what I hope is uh, one of the things that came up yesterday, I was talking to someone and we were talking about the term farm to table mm. and that maybe necessarily the term farm to table has jumped the shark a little bit, but the idea of just buying great ingredients should never, that shouldn't be a fashionable thing. It should just be the thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you shouldn't necessarily have to um, look around for places that are doing it well that we do. Um, it should just be at a certain standard of restaurant. You should just know that they're committed to buying well and doing what they can um, to extend seasons, we have um, kale's a big thing uh, in in Tennessee, and so we'll get loads of kale. And I just thought, well, what are we going to be able to do with it outside of a kale salad? And so we've we'll take the kale, we put it into a brine solution so that it the brine's a little bit like ocean water. Let that sit for a couple of days, then pull it out, then put it above our wood grill and smoke dry it. So we basically have a sort of kombu-ish kale. Interesting. And then put it in jars. So things like that are a little bit from Tennessee, a little bit from, you know, global influence, but then also a little bit of how can we use everything and then add to our alphabet of mm. what we can, you know, you can, the more words you have, the more, or the more letters you have, the more words you have, the more you can, can write. So Is that like kind of about building your own pantry? Yeah, I think it's about building a little bit of your own, uh, style, cuisine, all of those things. If, if I have a different ingredient than you do, then I can cook different food than you can. Mm. And the, the flavor is just going to be different. And one of the things, if you were to say to somebody, there's this restaurant in the South that has Pennsylvania Dutch roots and has this really, really interesting wine list, people would be like, did you just literally make that up? <laughs> <laughs> because it doesn't sound like it works. But because it doesn't sound like it works... It provides such a unique perspective that, I mean, we think it does. Yeah, so. yeah we do. <laughs> um, so I want to talk a little bit about your, Andy and Karen, your background, because okay. you both have a musical background. Uh, Karen, can you tell us a little bit about yours? Yes. I started out life as a clarinet player and decided I would um, not do that for a living after all. Would not do that for a living after all. and uh, But I did move to New York, and I worked in the music business. for. I worked at ASCAP, and I worked at Lincoln Center for years, and loved every minute of that. But, um, yeah, I miss parts of the music business daily, actually. 
but I love this business so much that it actually dragged me out of that. Like this, the, the hospitality, wine, food dragged me out of, of the music life because I, I just really enjoyed all these things so much. But um, Well, yeah. you worked as an innkeeper at a B&B. <laughs> Is that specifically what dragged you out of it? Yes. I, where I thought hospitality was going to take me after kind of, I would insert myself into everything I could at Lincoln Center, um, where there was a event or something. I'd say, let me, let me work this, or I'll do this with you guys. Um, I'll do the wine part. I'll do anything. And I thought, okay, what my next thing is going to be is I thought, you know what that's going to do? I'm going to be an innkeeper or I I wanted to buy an inn. Mm -hmm. I wanted to have my own inn. So I got a job in Pennsylvania, which is where I ended up meeting Andy. Um, and I probably worked that job as an innkeeper for three days before I decided I did not enjoy being an innkeeper mm. at all. Um, but what I did enjoy, because it was a small place, I also had to work in the restaurant. And that changed my life forever, being oh. being there in that restaurant. Um, Andy was the chef, and I sort of transitioned into working my way into that restaurant. Um, but yeah, it's music is beautiful, and it's still, it's always part of my life being in Nashville, actually. We're surrounded oh, yeah. constantly by musicians and great music, and it's not just country music at all. It's mm-hmm. our restaurant is full of people who are immensely talented musicians. Um, my life in New York was all about uh, classical music, but uh, in Nashville, it's all different styles of pop and, and whatnot. But they're so many talented people and it's a lot of fun you still get to talk about it you still get to hear great music and oh yeah yeah it's, it's just wonderful well i want to cu- circle back to the story of you guys meeting in pennsylvania but uh andy your musical background <laughs> i uh i started playing the cello when i was seven maybe uh and then played the trumpet played baritone and then i went to a really small school so when i was a junior the band didn't have a tuba player and I was big enough to carry it. Frankly, I think was probably, that was my qualifying, uh, bit. Um, so I started playing the tuba and was pretty quickly, um, you know, I went to different festivals and, and did pretty well. And then because I was a teenager and was getting recognition for doing something well, I thought, well, I guess I'll do that for the rest of my life. Cause this seems like fun. Um, went to college and, thought that I was going to play professionally. And it turns out that when I got done with school uh, and practicing and doing this, I just didn't love music. I just, it was a, I treated it like a job because it was, you know, that's just kind of the way I go about things. But I didn't have the love for it that other people who are around me did. I mean, a lot of the people that I went to school with are now um, teaching and playing professionally and doing very well. And I just... Uh, I knew that it wasn't for me. So um, because I like to sit in front of a computer, I went and worked for an actuarial consulting firm for a little bit. Exciting. Because that's a normal transition. Yeah. Um, And then went to, uh, I went back to school. I I hated that, by the way. It was just not for me. Um, Went back to school to get my teaching certification because both of my parents were teachers. And in order to pay for that, I started to work in a restaurant. But the music part, I'm, I'm the entirely different from Karen. She can sit and listen to classical music as an enjoyment. Um, and I just, it just wasn't for me. I mean, people would go to the music library and they would listen to just, they would love listening to music. 
And if you cue up any piece of music that has a tuba part in it, I can tell you what it is like very quickly. <laughs> and if it doesn't, I can immediately go to sleep. <laughs> so. I, have, I have a question about that because it's interesting to hear like that, like clearly you're not like born to be a career musician, but I'm, I'm wondering if your background in terms of having to practice, there's a specific type of work ethic that in my mind would really serve a chef. So two things on that. Yes, yes. The, the work ethic part, absolutely. The mm -hmm. other thing was um, in my sophomore year of college, I started to study with the instructor from the Peabody Institute in Baltimore. And I learned so much about the learning process from him that on a daily basis, um, you know, we have 55 different people coming in to the restaurant every day. 55 people work there. And each one of them is a different person, depending <laughs> on what went through their day. Um, so teaching people um, is a huge part of cooking that I think people don't really think mm -hmm. of. They think of, well, you know, you just, you're back there and you make the food and it goes on the plate. And that's not really it. I mean, it's how can you connect with someone to teach them the, the skills that they need. So the education that I went through in learning how to be a musician Every day I use something. Um, and actually, he has come to the restaurant, which is yeah. was really nice. Um, but I am very thankful for uh, all the things that I went through because they influence in the same way that Karen just said. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they influence what we do on a daily basis. It's, you know, sometimes you think, you know, would you prefer the European model where at 13 you dropped out of school and started working in kitchens? And that may have worked out for me but I, I just feel like I'm very thankful and grateful for what I went through because it's definitely provided a unique perspective for what we have now okay so let's circle back now to when you two met um tell me about that point in your lives and then wh where you went from there uh I mean I am I have an animal magnetism so <laughs> I think it's, it's really a bummer that this isn't on TV because people could see that. Oh, my God. But, uh, yeah. They can yeah. feel it. They can feel I it. I think yeah. so. I it think, works you know, through think, audio. I think it, it's you know, definitely through the mic. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, so when you know that, I mean, it's kind of obvious, it's, right? It's, it's a it no-brainer. It's just all the fell question place. answers itself. Yeah. Um, he was... <laughs> An enigma, I have to say. Though he, it, it was, it, we worked together, and after months, discovered that we were both musicians. That we were both musicians, and when I moved to Pennsylvania, I actually continued to the the town we lived in had this little. They called it a music conservatory, and so I I taught lessons there at this little place. So I kind of kept one finger in in the music pie. Um, and I don't know, I don't know if somehow that came up or whatever, but it, we discovered that we had both been musicians and suddenly then we clicked as friends. Before that, he was just sort of the grumpy chef <laughs> in the kitchen. <laughs> and uh, once that happened, so... That's the animal though, magnetism. That's the animal magnetism right there. But so, you know, it is kind of funny that music is probably the thing that finally did bring us together in a way that we bonded and said, oh, we, we have this shared past. Um, and then his interest and passion and desires for his cooking and his future and for everybody around him, actually the way he treats everybody and tries to bring everybody up with him. Um, that just kind of draws you in eventually and worked for me. 
So then what took you guys from there to Tennessee? Uh, there was, so we were looking, um, the inn that we had worked at, uh, closed and we were really not tied to anything. We thought maybe we'd move to Northern California. We thought quickly about moving to Europe. Um, and Why quickly? Just, uh, I don't know. It just seemed like a big move. Mm. Yeah. We still have all, you know, all of our parents are still living. We have a lot of family and it just seemed like a big mm. Yeah. Big thing. So there was a, a, Karen's family is from East Tennessee, uh, Knoxville. And whenever we would drive down to visit, um, there was always the thought of, well, maybe we'll take a day and drive over to Nashville. It just seemed like after driving for eight, eight or nine hours, another three and a half hour drive was just not anything I wanted to do. So um, there was a, an ad that came up for a new restaurant that was going to open in Nashville. And I thought, well, I'll send my information in, and if we get lucky enough to go down and cook, that'll be like a little vacation. We can cook a little bit and see what what the city's all about. And I <clears throat> am not a big believer in, um, you know, when people say, ah, oh, you know, I got there, and there was just this feeling, or, you know. Um, <laughs> but when we pulled in, pulled off the interstate, and we're driving around Nashville, it definitely has um, a spark and creative energy that I hadn't seen other places. And then, um, I think we were there for five days and just one of the days was cooking. So the other four days we spent around the city and meeting people and the chef community there. I mean, at, at the time that you know, before Josephine was, uh, built out, um, Eric and Josh had just gotten, uh, food and wine, best new chef for catbird seat. Husk had just opened. Sean had just opened Husk. And Rolf and Daughters um, was on the Bon Appetit list for Best New Restaurant. So people were paying attention to what was going on in Nashville. Um, but then the other contributing factor to that was there was so much um, development going on. There were so many cranes everywhere, and we just knew that there were things happening. But even more than that, um, everyone was so nice to the point that I thought that they were, like, it was a joke. It was this weird <laughs> Stepford Wives kind of thing. And, yeah. and even the chef community. I mean, I know that um, once you're part of a chef community, like the chef community in Brooklyn or New York City or Philadelphia or D.C., once you're working and you're in, everybody, you know, they kind of have their own cliques and everybody's friends. But the chefs and the restaurant people in Nashville didn't know us from anyone. We would just sit down and and have dinner and mention that we were in town visiting and and everyone was so nice that it was creepy um, <laughs> you said i don't know some we had some interaction with some people and they were so 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 nice i was somewhat used to that because at least i grew up in east tennessee but i had left at a younger age but he wasn't so used to it and he looked at me at one point after the, they walked away, and he said, what do they want from me? I said, they, <laughs> nothing, they're just being nice. That's, that's how they are. <laughs> now you're used to it. Yeah, and yeah. so, you know, it. Um, I thought that it would be a, a pretty good place um, to go, and, and then we got there, and, and the more we met people and the more we um, started interacting with people, it's really, it's become home at this point. Mm -hmm. I sure don't mind coming back to New York, but it's Nashville's become home for sure. Every now and then you need someone to just like be a little bit abrasive to you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Get it back in check. Sometimes exactly. I just do it to myself. Just, <laughs> to, <laughs> just, to, say, 
Just yeah, to, it's, it's usually you. Yeah. Yeah. It's usually me. <laughs> um, so, Ashley, how did you get um, become part of the Josephine family? Well, um, that's funny. I actually tried for a really long time. And I was working at another restaurant for years and years and years. And uh, one of my really good friends, she's kind of our, like, head server trainer. Her name is Abby. Um, she had been working there since they opened. And it had been a few years. And she just raved about it and raved about how great it was to work for them and um, just the culture and the family and everything there. So uh, I, Karen actually doesn't remember this, but um, I probably showed up every three or four months with my resume just to get in somehow. Uh, Service-wise, there was never any openings to be a server because no one ever leaves. Um, So there was never any openings for that. I thought about management. I hadn't been a restaurant manager before. Um, I had done marketing before for another restaurant group, so I, you know, wanted to do that. And then uh, nothing was happening. So after about a year of trying, and I actually sold all of my stuff, like almost everything, and I packed up and I moved to L.A. And uh, I was there for about a week when I saw that they were now hiring for a manager. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it just so happened, too, they had an opening for somebody to do, like, social media and marketing and stuff, too, because the, the guy who was doing that was uh, leaving. So we FaceTimed. I was on the beach in Santa Monica, and they called me the next day and hired me, and I think I spent another week in L.A., and then I drove all the way back. Wow. So you had a nice long vacation <laughs> yeah. in L.A., is what you're saying. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I was there for a little while. I had a good time. Didn't have to work. It was perfect. That's great. Yeah. And so now I've been there for about three and a half years. And so when you started, were you doing both of those roles from the get-go? <laughs> yeah. So I originally started as, I, well, just manager, really. Uh-huh. Um, and I was doing social media and, and that stuff. And then I started to kind of play around with website building. And so I built the website and I got all that kind of stuff going. It's a beautiful website. Oh I'm my gosh, thank you. Very impressed. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, it's still a work in progress. It's I get bored with it easily. So I check it out in probably like four more months. It'll be, look totally different. <laughs> um, and then after a little while, I asked to take on more. So I started doing events and I, I love doing that. Events is very small for us. We're a small restaurant. So um, by that, I mean, you know, private dining, larger parties. And then you know, every once in a while we'll do buyouts or every once in a while he'll partner with other chefs and I'll help do the marketing for that and all that good stuff. So it's really fun. Yeah. What kind of events would you, are you guys not doing a lot of that you would like to do more of or what's like your dream guest chef event series or dinner? Oh gosh. Put it out there in the universe. I I don't know about that. I mean, we're, we've started doing, so this isn't really a a wish because we're actually going to do it. Yeah. Uh, We've started doing our first, uh, dinner in this series will be the end of April um, a dinner series where we bring in other creative people who have chefs, food yeah. as a you know maybe a secondary interest um, our first one is going to be with the singer Ruby Amafu and she really really loves um, cooking so it's going to be how does the creative process from someone who is a different comes from a different background affect their cooking and It'll be a little more of a, almost like dinner in the round. I mean, we're going to split up the table so that we can be in the middle and kind of talk about um, the inspiration for the dinner. It would be fun for me to see another creative person's process. 
Um, and also fun. I mean, a lot of times those dinners, I think, are as fun for the cooks as they are for the guests and, the, and for me because they get to see someone else coming into the kitchen. Um, but this one will end. This is a little bit of a secret, but it's fine. Uh, she's going to sing a little bit uh, at the end. Yeah. So yeah. I think those kind of dinners where we can stretch uh, the idea of it not just being coming to dinner, but coming to dinner and more of a conversation about things I think are particularly intriguing at this point. Mm -hmm. um, and then we raise money for a charity as well. Yeah, and it, it, whoever the creative guest is, it's uh, their choice. So mm -hmm. her choice was Music Cares, yeah. which is a, you know, a great mm -hmm. charity. Um, but as far as guest chef... Um, Thomas Keller. Yeah. You want Thomas <laughs> Keller to come I surprise you in the kitchen? I think that would be pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd be all right with that for sure. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that would be really great. And I, I also, it'd be very gratifying for me, but I also think, you know, it all comes back down to, that would just really affect the, the team in such a way that, I mean, it would scare the, can I say shit on here? Yes, Absolutely. you can. We're internet radio. It would scare yeah, the did. shit out of them, um, <laughs> which would be fine too. Uh, Everyone needs that. Everybody needs that. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that would be super cool. But I'm really pretty fired up about, um, Having this is me fired up, by the way. Uh, I can tell. Animal bring, magnetism. You betcha. Uh, bringing in uh, other people and having them, you know, how people are affected by food, uh, who are maybe a fashion designer or a singer mm -hmm. or you know, I think seeing that is going to be really cool. That's um, unlike really anything I've I've heard of before. So that sounds really cool. Um, let's take a really quick break. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation cool. and then we're going to play a little bit of trivia to wrap things up. Right. We'll be right awesome. back. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. Since the early 1900s, Emmy has been a passionate supporter of farmers, cheesemakers, and family tradition. They believe in sustainable agriculture and respect for the people, land, and animals that make their business possible. Remaining dedicated to tradition, they strive to lead the industry in innovation, ensuring they bring you only the highest quality, best tasting cheese from Switzerland. Emmy is best known for importing more than 80% of Swiss Gruyere into the United States, but that's not to overshadow their other specialty cheeses, including Kotbalk Cave-Age cheeses, Appenzeller, Tete de Moine, and traditional Emmentaler. For more information, visit emmyusa.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Michael Harlan Turkel, and I'm the host of The Food Scene here on HRN. This show explores the intersection of food, art, and design by talking to people who are inspired by these ideas. The show features food photographers, food stylists, interior designers, and so much more. All the players that make the world so visually delicious. You can find The Food Scene wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. Welcome back to HR and Happy Hour. We're here with Andy Little, Karen Little, and Ashley Denke from Josephine in Nashville. I have a few miscellaneous questions for you guys. 
Um, first of all, you recently did a James Beard dinner um, last year. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and what food you brought up to New York to serve to locals here. That was uh, Craig Rogers from Border Springs Farm in uh, Patrick Springs, Virginia. The lamb farmer. Yeah, every year does a lamb dinner huh. at the Beard House and invites, I think it was five different chefs to each do a course. And so, not surprisingly, I did lamb scrapple uh, for <laughs> it. And it was fun. I mean, that's such a great... Um, it's a great kitchen. It's a great, just a great night in general, and it's certainly a, a wonderful foundation. But it was, uh, it's a lot of fun. Craig's a Craig's a treasure. Craig, Craig's a personality yeah, he for really sure. Is. He really is. He really is. I was. Uh, they did a big green egg event in Atlanta called like the farmer, the butcher, the chef with Craig, Adam Danforth, and uh, a chef from D.C. I can't recall his name. That was a very interesting format for people to see the whole like kind of life cycle of where your lamb comes from and where it goes. Yeah. Yeah, He, uh, I think it's become quite a thing now, but we went to the second year of lamb stock, which he, are you familiar with? No. Okay. So, uh, maybe 2010, maybe, um, he decided that he was going to, uh, mow down his pastures and then just invite chefs to, I mean, it really is pretty much a, a, very rural area of Virginia uh, invite chefs much like Woodstock to just hang out on his farm and he had food trucks come in he had bands play and it just became this super cool thing in the and it was in August oh, it was so hot. and it was so hot <laughs> and I think it, we spent two or three days there and I just remember getting to Roanoke Virginia on the way home and washing my hands in cold water and just thinking that was the best feeling yeah. in the world because <laughs> yeah. I just felt grimy and but yeah. it, he does things like that and it just it's such a great thing for the chef community I think for the restaurant community and and just he's one of those guys that is a yes the the shepherd part of it that guy's a marketing genius mm-hmm. and just a you know a, a great personality for us to have uh, in the business mm-hmm. altogether. So that was in 2010 and he hasn't done it since? Oh, no, no. He's done it every year. And oh, he gotten, has. I think he still does it. Yeah, Great. it's gotten sure. big time. I'm going to mark mean, my calendar. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, uh, you know, fun. we can certainly do some live interviews from yeah. Lambstock. Yes. Yeah, it's, <laughs> Craig, if you're it's normally like the <laughs> third, <laughs> third week in August. Yeah. Imagine the hottest week of the summer. That's, that's probably exactly Lambstock. <laughs> but since that year, he's put in portable showers. Yes. So. Yeah. Smart. That's all you need. Better than a music festival. I'll tell you that. Um, my other question for you is, where is your favorite place to eat hot chicken in Nashville? Ooh. Hattie B's. That's, that's <laughs> mine. I don't know about Andy. Controversial. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I really like Hattie B's. I also really like Prince's. Yeah. Uh, I think it really depends more on my mood and what I'm looking for. Cause they really are different. Yeah. Um, and then there, you know, there's. 400 degrees and Boltons, but I think for me, it's either Hattie B's or Prince's, and uh, my folks just moved to Nashville. They are very close to the second uh, Prince's, so, um, but I just, I love the guys at Hattie B's. I love what they do, and so I, I think I'm going to have to go with the tie. Oh, Hattie B's is branching out, though. They're in Vegas. Now. They're in and Vegas. Birmingham. Yeah, they're yeah. And Birmingham, yeah. yeah. So. And Atlanta. Oh, oh, that's wow. right. Mm-hmm. I I haven't been to Bolton's yet, and I feel like that needs to be my next stop. Mm-hmm. Bolton's is, is delicious. Yeah, but uh, they they also do the fried fish, right? And don't sleep on the yeah. hot yeah. fish sandwich. Yeah, yeah. 
I might yes. go with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, love fish. Um, well, if you love fish, there's a place called Ed's Fish in North Nashville. Okay. It's fried fish, two slices of white bread, pickles, raw onion, and mustard. Okay. Done. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. It's really great. So come down. We'll take you. Perfect. I will be there. Um, anybody have any last, last urgent questions for the Josephine team? No, just when can we come? That's all. Yeah. We'll make our are. reservation now. Anytime after Monday. That sounds so delicious. <laughs> when they're back. Um, okay, great. So we are now going to ask you some trivia questions. This is our favorite part of the yeah. show. Okay. It's low stakes. Don't worry. Okay. okay. And, and I haven't seen them, so I'm, I can be your phone a friend. Okay. Um, I can't okay. promise anything. So last year, um, Andy, you did a playlist for Snacky Tunes. Yep. One of our other shows. Mm-hmm. Um, you said this is a playlist you'd listen to while cooking at home and also during dinner service at Josephine. Um, and because obviously we've talked a lot about music today, we thought we would write some trivia about your playlist that you put together. Our lovely Pauline write, wrote the questions with me. Um, and so I, I, I think you'll do pretty well because these are all people that you're familiar with. You have some people to help you out if you need it. Okay. All right, let's jump in. Question number one. What Alabama-born singer was called a master Jason of... <laughs> okay, what was the rest of the question going to be? I have no idea. Alabama. I shouldn't have said Alabama-born. That was yeah. where I went wrong. Um, well, the rest of the question was, he's been called a master of the medium by Rolling Stone for his hilarious clapbacks on Twitter. If you oh, don't wow. follow him on Twitter, True. you should, yeah. right? Absolutely. It's yeah. amazing. So okay. yeah. It's yeah. really good. Um, okay, question number two. Who said he ran for president because he couldn't be Bruce Springsteen? <laughs> Me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the answer to that one. Oh, well, the hint is that he did become president, so that narrows it down. Oh, wow. Well, it's not Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Who would, like, which, which president would want to be Bruce Springsteen? That almost sounds like something Clinton would uh, well, say. I would think yeah. it would be Bill Clinton. No. Yeah, except that there's a really good interview when, when Barack Obama gives Bruce oh. Springsteen the Medal Barack of Honor. Obama, really? <laughs> He says, some people call me the boss, but I'm actually giving this to the boss. Yes. And then uh, Springsteen appeared at several Obama rallies as well. Okay. Um, And was a big supporter. Yeah. Yeah. So they clearly had a bromance going on. It's cute. All right. Question number three. What legendary band helped create a TV commercial for Kellogg's Rice Krispies in 1964? This was on your playlist. Wow. What was on your playlist from what the year? Rolling 64. Yes. Oh, it's a Rolling Stones. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Nice. Teamwork makes the dream work. Right. I was like T Rex. No, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Question number four. On the Banana Wind album, what Caribbean island does Jimmy Buffett tell the listener to come back to? <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm got... always so drunk when I listen to that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> He's from a family of parrot heads. I can't believe you don't remember this. Uh, we were yeah. explaining parrot heads to Pauline earlier today. Yeah. Does cultural, that translate at all? cultural lesson. Um, yes. Not, not yet. Okay. But there's room. We'll watch yeah. some YouTube yeah. videos. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah. <laughs> it is definitely an all immersive uh, so you experience. Don't I, I don't know. I, I'll I give know. you a hint. Uh, if you go, if you come back to the island he wants you to come back to, you might be able to hang out with some Marleys. Jamaica. 
Jamaica, Jamaica. Montreal. Yes. Jamaica. Yes. All right. Last question. This is my, maybe my favorite question. Before music called him, this is so. This artist did something opposite of you guys. Before music called him away, Chris Stapleston used to work at which pizza chain? Man, I don't know. I'll just Pizza go with Hut. Domino's. Pizza, yeah. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. It's Peyton Manning's favorite. Oh, oh Papa, Papa John's. John's. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I can't believe I made that uh, Jason is well one so, so easy. Oh. <laughs> well, luckily um, there was one easy one. <laughs> <laughs> Once we missed a few. Yeah. Well, you guys oh. won trivia. Okay, yeah. Yay. Yay. <laughs> Good job. All right. This has been a blast. We're Thank excited you. to visit so you guys fun. in Nashville. So fun. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Come back anytime. Thank you. We will. We'll drink more wine, eat more pizza. Absolutely. Talk about hot chicken. Yeah. <laughs> I want to know more about the tuba. Like, next time you have to bring a tuba. <laughs> You're um, on. Deal. Were you, were, you were in a marching band. Were, did you do marching band, Karen? I did. As did I. Yeah. It paid nice. part of my way through college, so. That's, yeah. Yeah. Okay, the last trivia question is, what did Kat do in marching band? There's you three answers. Well, my favorite one. The piccolo. I, yeah, I did. That flute. is one of them. <laughs> That's one of them. And then what's the third? You did a flag. Drum major. Close. Think more southern. Major Rifle? That's it. Oh. <laughs> she has a baton in our office. Trivia yes. bonus round. You guys killed it. Uh, yeah. Fun times. Fun times in the South, man. Um, all right. On that note, thanks, Hannah, for embarrassing me. That's- Anytime, babe. Uh, thanks, Hannah Forden, Amanda Wang, Pauline Munch, um, our guests, Andy Little, Karen Little, and Ashley Danke. That's our show. We'll be back next week. Thanks. Thank you. HRN Happy Hour is powered by Simplecast. Simplecast is a popular hosting and analytics platform that allows podcasters to easily host and publish to apps like Apple Podcasts. If you have a podcast or are looking to create your very first, check it out. Try it for free and save half off your first three months at simplecast.com heritage. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org, or connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, and more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage, and thanks for listening.